Welcome back to The Call-Up, your go-to podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. As always, I'm your host, Aram Layton, and in today's episode, we are going to talk about Gabriel Moreno's call-up, which is extremely, extremely exciting. Uh, It's been a long time coming to see him promoted to the big leagues, obviously. That timeline got delayed a little bit because of the injury last year that limited his double-A season to 32 games before going to the Arizona Fall League, where he continued to rake, and now we're seeing more of the same from Moreno in AAA prior to getting promoted. I also want to talk about some other well-performing prospects across the minor leagues. Also had one of our guys get their eyes on Gavin Stone and Andy Pajes. I want to talk a little bit about them uh, and what he saw kind of building off of some of the reports I had already put together and how that has really helped solidify how high we are on those two guys and then a few other hot prospects across the minor leagues that I want to call some attention towards. A couple that could be knocking on the door of the big leagues and of course we'll wrap up with that eBay segment as well telling you what cards I'm investing in and which maybe you should take a look at. Let's start with Moreno because man I say long time coming probably if you're newer to this podcast you'd be like oh no there's a lot of other players that maybe uh, had to wait a lot longer to get promoted or that we had to wait longer for. Well, if you followed uh, the Prospect podcast all the way back to the Locked On MLB Prospects days and you know followed along with me for a while here, uh, you'd know that since 2020 I have been talking about Moreno and just how much I love him as a prospect and how even back then when he wasn't ranked in the top 10 of the Blue Jay system even. He wasn't even a top 10 prospect in the Blue Jay system if you asked MLB Pipeline at the time. Just a testament to him being a cheap international free agent money-wise and, you know, didn't have any tools that jumped off of the page outside of the hit tool, which, you know, it's hard to really be able to pick up on until you see a guy put up results. And, you know, I was able to just really see that, fortunately, early on where I got a couple looks at him and was able to see just how darn good the bat-to-ball was, the barrel control, the zone contact rates were always off the charts, but you were able to really see it tangibly, the adjustments in at-bat, the body control, the ability to use the whole field, the patience, Uh, even though he has the high-end hit tool, not expanding the zone, which is something we usually see with young hitters with high-end hit tools. It was very clear that this was going to translate, but the question also was how much power is in there, but you could see that there was above-average exit velos already being posted. You could see that he was already already starting to get some carry on the gappers and that there could be a little bit more in there and he sort of broke out in the early going of last year with that power uh, we saw eight home runs in 32 games before he went down with that thumb injury and the weird part though is so far this year we have not really seen that power fully come back but in AAA so far He's been more than good in the bat-to-ball department. He's hitting 324, 384, before his promotion to the big leagues. 8% walk rate, 17% K rate. Yes, the power is down. Only one home run this year versus the eight that he had in roughly the same amount of games. 
during last season, but still more of the same, like I said, from Moreno as he continues to just spray the ball all over, be a very difficult hitter to strike out, and I think the power is going to continue to come back. I I think that's something that maybe was not on the forefront of his mind as he made his way to AAA this year and had the pressure of trying to prove that he could get to the big leagues, and for him, it's just Continue to do what you do well, hit the ball and get on base. And he gets on base at a 380 clip this year. That gets you to the big leagues, even though the power has not totally been there. I'd like to see him leverage his hitters counts a little bit better uh, and, and take those big hacks when he's ahead in the count. He did that at times last year, not as much this year. I'm sure there's there's been at least maybe at times, depending on who you're facing, if he's facing more big league vets so far, small sample size, only 36 games, maybe less mistakes in those leveraged counts. Who knows what exactly it is. The exit view are a tad lower so it could also just be a matter of of Moreno just getting right again and getting back into the swing of things quite literally but still if this is where Moreno is at if this is not the fully 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 torqued Moreno meaning that he's not hitting 373 441 651 which is what he hit over the 32 games in 2021 uh, I'll take this diminished 324 38404 and clearly the Blue Jays have seen enough to promote Moreno, and that's the biggest part, is Alejandro Kirk is raking. He is doing everything he needs to do at the big league level. He's even defending decently well, but Moreno's bat and also just another glove behind the dish there just adds to the Blue Jays here who are trying to keep up with the Yankees and the Rays and stay in the hunt there, especially even as the Red Sox start to heat up. Here's some reinforcements here with one of the better bat-to-ball prospects in all of the minor leagues. 70 hit tool, uh, in my opinion. That's where we have him rated on JustBaseball.com. Still just 22 years old and a young 22. 22 in three months, which is really ridiculous because what he has been able to do to really hit above his level every single stop is, is amazing. And now we're seeing him as basically a consensus top 15 prospect, if not better than that. And I think he can be better defensively than Kirk. We're seeing Kirk... Get there, though, and that's the really encouraging thing, but I love Moreno's game all around. I love his ability behind the dish, and I think the power is going to continue to trickle back in there as he gets more accustomed and more comfortable to the big league level. This is a guy that's going to be potentially one of the best catchers in baseball because of what he can give you offensively, because of his solid floor defensively. He's got a good arm. He receives well enough. He continues to get better in that regard. He blocks well. He's athletic. That's the big thing, too. You can see that athleticism behind the plate. I think Moreno is going to be one of the best catchers in the game very soon, and it's pretty crazy with Kirk there as well. It'll be interesting to see how playtime is divvied up, how the Blue Jays decide to go about that, but just throw in another really, really good hitter into the fold here for the Blue Jays, and you got to be happy if you're a Blue Jays fan as it's Moreno time in Toronto. Ultimately, I do believe that this guy can hit 15 to 20 home runs. I don't know if he's going to do it this year. I do think that there's multiple 20 home run seasons in there. But again, it's kind of finding that balance of who you are as a hitter. Do you want to lean into the 320 batting average? Because that's what I really think he can he can do while walking at a decent clip and not striking out. But there's a balance there where you want to hit for a little bit of power in today's game. I think he can hit for 15 home runs, hit over 300, and get on base at a good clip. That sounds pretty darn good to me with some good defense behind the dish. But I do think that there's 20-plus home run power in there. Some of it is physicality dependent, swing path dependent, and a little bit more of that leveraged counts and cutting loose in the right spots as well. Moreno was one of the youngest players, or one of the younger players at the AAA level, and now is one of the youngest players at the big league level, and I don't expect him to struggle much. He hasn't seemed to really struggle to get acclimated at any stop, and 
even at the big league level, there might be some small learning curves, but even then, I, I think he's going to get pretty comfortable pretty quick. And speaking of younger players for their level, I want to talk a little bit more about Gunnar Henderson, even though we spoke a little bit about him on the last episode, where if you missed that, I definitely recommend you taking a listen with Jeff Ponce of Baseball America. He helped break down the Top 100 update that Baseball America just put out, and uh, it's so much fun having Jeff Ponce on here. He's one of my favorite guys to talk to, one of the best minds in the industry, Uh, and if you didn't listen to that episode, definitely go check that out, but we talked a little bit about Gunnar Henderson, and I wanted to know where he stood, because Gunnar Anderson has made a big time jump uh, in terms of the statistics and he's starting to rise up the prospect rankings and it might have been a little too early in terms of when they were doing this update for Baseball America for him to make that insane, insane jump, but he's already starting to make some pretty big jumps and he was somebody that a lot of people were pointing towards last year to be a breakout candidate and He had a great year overall. Uh, You look at the 29.5% K rate last year. He struggled a bit in high A. It was a great 35 games in low A. Then hit the the wall, subjectively wall. It, It wasn't bad. 233, 43, 432 slash line, hit nine home runs, stole 11 bags in high A in 65 games as a 19-year-old or just turning 20-year-old. That's not really bad at all. I mean, I'll take that any day of the week, especially when he's walking 14% of the time. Uh, But that wasn't quite the quote-unquote breakout that we were expecting. The breakout was more of what we saw from him in low A that same season, which in 35 games, he hit eight home runs, hit 312, 369, 574. Low A to high A is a big jump. It really is. And then, of course, high A to double, as I always say, is the biggest jump. So it was very interesting to see after struggling in high A last year, how was Henderson going to do in double A this year? Well, he figured it out. Uh, and I, I hate using the term figured it out because I think I even said that on the podcast with with uh, Jeff on, on the last episode. I think he has figured out what works for him And it's very evident in that regard. What he's doing this year has just been phenomenal. Between double and now triple, he's the youngest player in AAA by about a year, if I'm not mistaken. He's posted an OPS above 1,000. He's hitting 313, 457, 578, which is insane. He's walking more than he strikes out. He's got a 181 WRC+. I mean, the fact that he's walking at a 20% clip while being this productive is nuts. The fact that he is striking out less than 20% of the time is also nuts. Nine home runs in 50 games, 12 stolen bases. He's going to go 20-20. He could hit potentially 25 to close to 30 home runs, depending on how he you know, continues to hit at the AAA level. I don't, I don't expect him to blank at the AAA level. So far, he hasn't. He's already homered in his first three games. He's already walked a couple times, three times to be exact, against two strikeouts. He has looked exactly the same in triple, which is a guy that has simplified his swing, that is very short to the ball, and has figured out how to get his upper body and lower body in sync. It was something that was out of sorts a bit for him last year. We saw where the upper half and lower half of his body just were not in congruence with each other, uh, but we're seeing that much more improved this year. And it's been pretty amazing to see just how much he simplified things, really just easy setup, hands are almost already slotted, doesn't have much movement going on, and stays in that back hip, it's a short gathering step, and just launches off of pure raw bat speed, and just the athleticism and twitchiness that lets him eat, and that's why we're seeing easy backspin, the swing is still geared for lift, still geared for backspin, but it's short and compact, he uses the whole field, he's comfortable letting the ball travel, he trusts it, and also 
he could still rotate poolside because he has that twitchy athleticism and he's now synced up the lower half and upper body, which was really just simplifying his lower half moves and really just kind of shortening things up across the board. He's put up exit velos as high as 112, 113 miles an hour. He's routinely over 100 miles an hour. His zone contact is up to the highest it's ever been. His chase rates are extremely low, only 23% chase rate. He has no problem catching up to the elevated velo, though he's doing a good job of laying off of those pitches that are maybe a little bit too high or above the zone, but still being able to attack those elevated fastballs when he's in those advantage counts. And the only nitpick I would have at Gunnar Henderson right now is he struggles left on left a bit. He only is hitting about a buck 62 and only a 270 slugging percentage, but but he's also still taking his walks left on left, getting on base at a 340 clip. So that's something to to monitor, but he is getting such ridiculous slugging on contact right now, or producing, I should say, such ridiculous slugging on contact that I don't know if the left on left will be too big of an issue a la Nolan Gorman, so to speak. I don't think it's it's that bad, Uh, but I I do like what we're seeing from Gunnar Henderson, and that's one thing to monitor. You know, how is he hitting the left on left breaking balls, but the fact that he's still not chasing more against lefties and still is, you know, taking his lumps, walking, and if you're getting on base at a 300 plus clip, even though you're not hitting the ball that that great left on left, that is more than good enough with the quality of production that he is putting up against righties. And, and I mean, there is no shortage of production against righties. 357, 489, 667. That's an 1155 OPS in 174 plate appearances against righties. So uh, he just has to be not even terrible. He just has to not be terrible against lefties, and he is more than fine uh, across the board. And the fact that he is able to play potentially a plus third base, and as Jeff Ponce mentioned on the podcast, could play shortstop. He's not He's not a problem at short. Uh, that is extremely encouraging. And oh, by the way, he's still 20 years old at the AAA level, so more than a year younger than anybody else at that stop. I'm going to talk about his Bowman Chrome Auto card in a little bit because obviously it's going up in value, but I still think it's a good buy, and I'll get to that at the end on the eBay segment. On to the pitching side is a guy that I am very excited to talk about because he's just another pitcher in the Dodgers org that is absolutely unfair, and we had one of our guys, Dustin Demeter, get his eyes on Gavin Stone, and oh my gosh, was Gavin Stone impressive in that outing uh, for the double-A Tulsa drillers and let's just talk about the numbers overall between high A and double A for the 23 year old stone who was a fifth round pick in the 2020 draft by the Dodgers so so far this season between high A and double A stone has a 0.96 ERA 47 innings 65 K's and nine walks I mean that's picturesque 36 hits as well he's only surrendered one home run. And what's amazing about Stone is he's the combination of swing and miss. Even though nothing jumps off the page, I like the fastball. It's it's a plus pitch potentially or close to it. Uh, I would say probably closer to a 55. And and the stuff across the board is, is pretty solid. He might not have a true plus pitch. It might be the change up if we're going to lean on anything. But he has four very reliable above average pitches and really good command. Fastball is a 55, slider is a 50 to a 55, curveball is a 50, and the changeup is a 55, maybe a 60. I got to get more looks at it, but it is definitely flashed plus. And Gavin Stone in that outing went six innings and punched out 13, which is just absolutely hilarious. Combining the swing and miss with the ground ball rate, which is at about 
53%, a little bit over 53%. I mean, that is exactly what you want. Swing and miss combined with the ground balls. How do you beat a guy like that? Weak contact and K's is just the name of the game. And Gavin Stone is one of the names that I don't really think gets enough attention and enough hype. I don't think he's on a single top 100 list. I can tell you he'll be on just baseball's top 100 update. Dustin's write-ups will also be up on justbaseball.com on Saturday morning. So if you're listening to this on Friday night, Saturday morning, I I assume that most of you are probably listening on a Saturday morning. So check out justbaseball.com on the prospect vertical to go see some of the write-ups across the board. Because I'm going to talk about Gavin Stone and Andy Pajes, but he also saw guys like James Outman, Jacob Amaya, Devin Mann, and then uh, Ryan Ward as well on the Royals side, Michael Garcia as well. So definitely some names to to get his write-ups on. Dustin is a guy that I'm really excited to have on board with us too. Just finished his collegiate baseball career between four years at Hawaii and another year at Oral Roberts and uh, was even drafted out of high school, has a lot of uh, pedigree himself as a player and a very, very good talent evaluator that we are very excited to have added to the fold. I'm sure he'll be on the podcast very soon. Uh, But His words on Stone kind of reiterated a lot of things that I told him because he had never really seen Stone before. So I was very excited to get his organic thoughts. And he really pointed out as well as the changeup and how good it looked in that outing. And to him, it looked plus for a lot of the outing where he was comfortable going right on right with the changeup. He was comfortable going, uh, of course, throwing it to lefties and got tons of swings and misses in the zone. The slider is a comfortably average pitch, but he locates it well and, and really is able to command it to his glove side and throw it in hitters counts to steal some strikes. So that's always something that helps. And pitchability is a big thing with Stone here too. Good stuff with elite pitchability can really make a very, very, very good pitcher a la Shane Bieber, which the stuff is closer to very good. But even now, as his stuff is ticked down with shoulder issues, it's more of just good stuff with great pitchability. And I think that's what we're seeing with Stone across the board here. Stone gets ahead quick and is comfortable putting you away, or he'll get that weak contact early in the AB, which allows him to go deeper into starts. So he has a lot of different things working for him. He works quickly. He's athletic. He keeps the tempo up. And I mean, that's what really stands out to me with Stone. I think he's going to be a really, really good middle of the rotation arm with room for a little bit more upside if if the stuff ticks up. Fastball was sitting in the 94 to 95 range, change ups more 85 to 87. He's an extremely, extremely talented pitcher that doesn't get enough attention because this is a system that is loaded with arms and a big league team that is loaded with arms. But Gavin Stone will soon be on a lot more radars. As for Andy Pajes, I feel like he's well-known. You know, I think everybody knows who he is that's listening to this podcast. But again, relative to the Dodgers prospects that you hear a lot about, I don't see Andy Pajes getting as much hype, at least on the national scale, as I would expect from most Dodgers prospects. And Pajes continues to hit even though he's younger than most of the levels he's been at. There is some swing and miss there, but he hedges that with a good walk rate and still has kept the strikeout rate in check for the most part. So far this year at AA, as a 21-year-old, he is hitting 253, 374, 478, 12% walk rate, 22% K rate, eight home runs and three stolen bases. Super athletic, super twitchy as well, and the raw power is crazy. He puts up some 
off the charts exit velos, routinely above 110 when he connects. Pull side power is 70 grade. I think it's really 70 raw across the board. Uh, and game power can easily get in that department as well. 31 home runs last year. I mean, this is somebody that could legitimately hit 35 plus. And then he can also be a plus defender in the corner. He has a 70 arm and he's an above average runner still, an easy 50 to 55 runner. So that's a guy that if he's moving pretty well in a corner and has an elite arm, with a big power profile, I'm really excited about that kind of dude in right field. With the power profile, and I do believe in above average defend defensive profile in right, this guy could be extremely valuable. And to be 21 years old and already performing at the AA level the way he is, there is a lot to like. And I don't think the swing and miss is ever going to creep too much into his game to where it's a problem. And that's why I am super excited and super high on Andy Pajes of the Dodgers as well. Another name that I wanted to show some love to who is continuing to shove in an organization that has so many arms that I think he's getting plenty of attention but can easily get buried in an organization with so many arms. Gavin Williams has been spectacular this year and what he has done so far in high A for the Guardians has just been ridiculous in terms of the strikeouts and also the fact that he's been able to keep the walks in check because remember this was a guy that at East Carolina was not really in the starting rotation until his junior year because of command issues and then all of a sudden really was able to put it together and boosted his draft stock big time by carving and carving and carving down the stretch and going toe-to-toe with Ty Madden, uh, Kumar Rocker. It's some of the best pitchers in the country going toe-to-toe with whoever. And so far this season, in 45 innings and nine starts, he is striking out more than 13 per nine. That's 67 Ks in 45 innings against just 14 walks. Nobody's left the yard off of him. He's only given up 25 hits. I think he's ready for a double-A promotion. I'm not really sure what they're waiting for. And, I mean, the stuff is crazy. And the fact that he's able to command it the way he does for a 6'6", 240-pound guy is really impressive with a limited track record of actually having command as well. Fastball sits 96 to 98 with a good amount of ride to it, uh, and that's what's really, I think, kind of his bread and butter. But then a wipeout slider that is really gross. He mixes in a curveball that is downright gross as well, and a changeup that we're starting to see more of, and I'm very interested to see how that pitch continues to develop. Uh, but between the curveball and the slider, it's just not really fair with those two breaking balls and the fact that he's already starting to show a little bit of a feel for for the changeup is interesting because if that pitch is even average off of the riding fastball that he has in the mid to upper 90s this guy's going to be a legitimate problem he gets people to chase left and right but he'll get the swings and misses in the zone thanks to the life and velo on the fastball and thanks to the sharpness of the slider the curveball is a little bit tougher to locate for a strike but that's that you know out pitch that he can really bury and he'll get plenty of chases on that I mean he's already getting chases on that pitch more than any other offering but getting more of those called strikes and called strike whiffs on the slider as well Arsenal is ridiculous command is already looking good uh, for you know what his track record is and what his profile is at 22 years old turns 23 in two months let's bump this guy up to the Akron rubber ducks I know the rubber ducks have a loaded rotation that might be part of the reason why we haven't seen him promoted yet but Gavin Williams is quickly going to be one of the top pitching prospects in the game in my opinion and he's really proven that already. A couple deeper dive names that you may not be familiar with, one pitcher, one hitter, uh, that I am really excited about and I think are going to start to have a lot of helium moving forward. 
One is Evan McKendry of the Rays organization. You're probably saying, oh, here we go. Another Rays prospect I haven't heard of that's you know, starting to get on everybody's radar. McKendry could have been, I really do believe, a top three round guy after he had a great start at the University of Miami, but could just never stay healthy. He had a hip issue, he had a little bit of an arm issue at the University of Miami, and was drafted in the ninth round in 2019 uh, after really just dealing with different uh, ailments. And the Rays have continued to slow roll him, and he's been good at every stop, but has not really stood out because the stuff has not quite been there. The changeup is a plus pitch, in my opinion, but the fastball was always low 90s, didn't really have that breaking ball that he trusted too much, uh, at least in the early going, but the command was always great. So we just always saw him you know, slowly work his way through the minors. He was in, in short season A uh, in 2019, where he pitched to a 1-6 ERA in 39 and thirds innings. Then last year in high A, pitched to a 3-7-3 ERA in 62 and two thirds. He was kind of between the bullpen and starting 10 starts and 21 appearances. Now he's fully healthy. This is the first time that, that Evan McKendry has really been fully healthy. And in 31 and a thirds innings so far this year, he's pitching to a 2.87 ERA in double A, I should say, in double A. And he is striking out more batters than he ever has in his career. And he is not really walking anybody. I mean, that's what really stands out to me 29.6% K rate. 4.8% walk rate. I mean, the 24.8% K to BB ratio is absurd. 0.83 whip. And the stuff keeps ticking up every start I watch. The 91s and 2s are turning into a lot more 3s and 4s. And we saw that even more so in his last outing where he went 6 innings against the Reds AA affiliate and struck out 9 against 0 walks, 3 hits, no earned runs. And, and we're seeing more of that from Evan McKendry as of late. And that's what really stands out to me. I mean, to have that kind of outing, it's very obvious that when you have that fastball velo tick up to the more threes and fours, when you have that plus change up, you're going to have a lot more success that way. And that's exactly what's happening. We're having more separation between the fastball and the fantastic change up, but we're also seeing a mix in a cutter. And that's something I really like too, because we're seeing that at the big league level. Look at every pitcher on the New York Yankees right now. They have either really accentuated the cutter they already had or added a cutter to their arsenal. I think it's part of the reason why we're seeing the Yankees' entire staff shove. And some of the best pitchers in the game are mixing in a cutter. Even if it's not your main pitch, it's a great pitch to be able to erase splits or steal strikes or do a lot of different things. It's a Swiss Army knife of a pitch, and it's really good. It has been great for Evan McKendry. So adding the cutter, adding some velo, has really helped him take that change up and use it more effectively as well because that thing is disgusting. 14 inches of horizontal movement uh, and really just kind of bites away and under barrels allowed the fastball to play up has allowed the cutter to play up and all of the arsenal is kind of working off of each other and working off of itself and I think we're going to see a lot more starts like we saw from Evan McKendry in that last outing and I think he's going to continue to be a surprise pitcher that could be a solid back end of the rotation type of arm that will get you that fastball change up and weak contact type of stuff. 6'3", 200, he's got a good pitcher's body, still just 24 years old, and I think he's already starting to settle in in double A. Could see him get bumped up to triple pretty soon. I also realized I kind of lied to you. I want to talk about two more hitters, one you probably know about in this same system, and another one that may be a little bit more under the radar. But Jonathan Aranda, was somebody that I, I wanted to make sure I talked about. And go, going into Evan McKendry there made me realize I wanted to discuss Aranda as another guy that should be called up soon, should be called up now. As you know, if you've listened to this podcast for a while, I am a bit lower on Vidal Brujan and a bit lower is putting it gently. And uh, he has not really succeeded much at the big league level. I mean, I wish him all the best. I hope that Brujan figures it out. But 
I'm not a huge fan of his offensively, and and I'm just not a huge fan of his his game all around, even though on paper it looks nice. Switch hitter, speed, burgeoning power, but I just don't really see that swing translating. I don't like the approach. There's a lot of things I don't love about Vidal Bruhan, but I don't, I don't really want to spend time being negative. My point of bringing up Bruhan is that I think Aranda should be the guy up there, and Aranda has done nothing but rake basically since 2019. And, and the really annoying part about it is because he doesn't have a tool that jumps off the charts, uh, we're not seeing him get a lot of love. We're not even seeing him get considered on top 100 lists. And I don't know what else this guy has to do. And this is another candidate of the Ty France effect because his numbers through the minor leagues are eerily similar to Ty France. And uh, as I always talk about with the Ty France effect, it's guys that absolutely rake but are somewhat positionless and they just don't get the love because they're like, oh, can we dream on plus power? And eh, maybe not. Does he have plus speed? And eh, maybe not. Where is he going to play defensively? He might be limited to first or second base. I don't care if you hit 330 with a 400 on base percentage and a 530 slugging percentage, which is what he has done. I mean, like consistently now, he did that exact slash line last year in double A, hitting 10 home runs, hitting 325, 410, 540. And then this year in triple A, 328, 410, 534. Strikeout rate, sub 20%. Walk rate, above 10%. What else does this guy have to do from the left side of the plate too? And and I think there is more power in there. I really do believe there's 25 home run power in there. Easily 20 home run power. He's put up exit velos as high as 113 miles an hour. And remember, we're talking about a guy that is a 70 hit tool guy. I mean, he really is. The bat to ball is, is elite. He doesn't move. He starts basically stacked on his back leg, has a leg kick that he times up, repeats, and is perfect with almost every single time. And his hands, I love his load mechanism. It, it probably doesn't work for a lot of guys. He starts with his bat on his shoulder and actually brings them out away from him. But that gets him the stretch and the separation that he needs. And he just launches from there. And it works. It clearly works. And it gets him slotted and gets him in that path through the zone. And I mean, his barrel really does live in the zone. It really sweeps through that zone and he barrels everything. And the fact that now we're seeing him use that lower half more, we're seeing him a bit more explosive. He looks slimmer than he's ever looked. He looks like he's in the best shape he's been in. He looks more physical. And now this guy is is really a more well-rounded ball player. I think the defense has looked better as well. I want to see Aranda at the big league level. I think he can help the Rays right now. Uh, And I think that stat line backs it up. And now that we're seeing exit velos as high as 113 miles an hour, we're seeing him spray the ball all over the field. He has no problem left on left. He is obviously very good against righties. I am really excited to see what this guy's going to do. And when you have the zone contact rate where he has it at, which is about 90%, which would be in the top, you know, certain percent, it would be in the top 10% of the league, Uh, probably better than that. I would say top 5% of the league. Sign me up for that. And Jonathan Aranda is somebody that's going to get to the big league level. And people are going to say, where did the Rays find this guy? Or where did he come from? And another guy that just got overlooked blatantly, not just because of the Rays, but just because of the way we scout players. Jonathan Aranda deserves more love. And anybody that's played with him or played against him will tell you he's one of the most impressive hitters they've seen. But for whatever reason in the world of evaluators, uh, we don't feel the same way because of the tools. I disagree. And I think Jonathan Aranda is going to show a lot of people a lot of things very soon. Last guy I want to mention as more of the underrated offensive prospect that maybe not as many people may know about and will segue me into the card side of things really well because he finally got a he got a Bowman Chrome auto in the 2022 Bowman baseball set 
is an 18 year old. <laughs> he just turned 18, so I don't know why I said finally. That's my fault. But he did get a Bowman Chromato in this new set. It's Jackson Chorio of the Brewers organization, which all of a sudden the Brewers went from worst system ever or one of to a sneaky good farm system that continues to get better every time you check in. And Chorio is pretty darn exciting. He's an outfielder who has tools across the board. I think could be potentially a five-tool kind of guy. Signed for $1.8 million out of Venezuela uh, back in January of 2021. And really has, has been the kind of guy that has really instilled a lot of confidence in the Brewers brass. Because he didn't really spend much time in the Dominican Summer League only 45 games in 2021 before getting the bump up to low A this year. Kind of just straight to low A, not too much time at the GCL or the complex or whatever. Said, hey, let's give it a go in full season ball, even though you just turned 18. And he has not blinked. 373, 420, 624 slash line through 31 games so far. Five home runs, four stolen bases, a 25% K rate, which is a little bit high. But remember, we're talking about a guy that's 18 years old in two months. Uh, That is extremely young. Not that many ABs under his belt. I really believe in the bat-to-ball skills. I like what we've seen so far. The athleticism is evident in the box. He doesn't have too much going on for such a raw prospect. Seems to have a really good feel for who he is as a hitter. And there's already some pop there. I think there's above-average raw power that we'll continue to see him tap into. He's got a pretty projectable frame. I mean, he's not a monster in terms of his size. He's about 6'1", but he is still pretty lean at 170 pounds, and I think there's definitely more in there. But he's somebody that's going to spray the ball all over the field. And then in the right spots, he catches one middle in and launches it. No problem, no doubt, or out of the yard. He's got that balance. And that's why I say five tool, because I do see a 55 to maybe even 60 hit tool down the line here, but also a guy that can leave the yard with relative ease when he catches it right. And that's something that I'm really interested to follow to see how the power develops. And as that power does develop, does the plus speed take a bit of a hit? I I think he's going to be a very good defender who's going to stick in center field, which is also very important. So we're talking about a guy that could be an above-average defender in center with a an above-average field to hit and also above-average power. I'm very interested in this kind of player. At 18 years old, to be doing what he's doing already in low A is a testament to the fact that he has that skill set that the Brewers are very confident in that translates to each you know advanced assignment and aggressive assignment. And we're seeing that. I mean, five home runs, four stolen bases in 31 games is very impressive for an 18-year-old. He's already hitting a lot of 105s on the exit velo department, which is very good for an 18-year-old who is not really filled out yet. Routinely hitting 105s, I would say. For 31 games, we've already seen a lot of that threshold exceeded uh, for this kid. and That's a testament to the twitchiness, the athleticism, and just the raw bat speed, but also just how under control he is in the box and how aware he is of his swing and continues to get better in, in that regard. I do think that this guy is going to be one of the best prospects in in the Brewer system very soon, especially as the Weemers and the Freelix of the world graduate. I've watched clips where I see him go yard the other way, which is a little bit of a more clue into how much power there is in there and the field to drive the ball to all fields. Chorio is somebody that I would be collecting in Bowman right now. And even though he's not one of the big chases, I'm starting to see more people eyeing his Bowman Chrome card. And I realize I misspoke earlier. He doesn't have a Bowman Chrome auto, but he got his first Bowman Chrome. Uh, So my apologies there. Uh, But that is a card I would be looking at. You know, if you're ripping some 2022 Bowman, 
uh, and you pull a Jackson Trorio, hold it because I think it's going to continue to go up. I'm sorry I misspoke about the autograph. I always just say Bowman. Whenever I say Bowman Chrome, it always follows auto automatically in my head, even though I'm not thinking auto there. But anyways, that's still a Bowman Chrome first that I'd be looking to hold on to. Or if you find a good deal for for five, ten bucks on a regular Bowman Chrome, scoop it up because this is a dude that could end up kind of hitting that that quick ignition and turning into a top prospect very, very quickly because of his youth, because of the international free agent bonus he got as a $1.8 million guy. That's not cheap. That's a top international guy. That's going to get a lot of hype. Uh, so I could see a lot of people kind of chasing after that card uh, as we move forward here. But I want to talk about Gunnar Henderson's card because that's one that I still think is underpriced, even though he is someone that is well-known and someone that is already exploding and starting to get a lot more just hype across the hobby and a lot more attention in general in the just prospect world. But you can get his Bowman Chrome Auto for around 110, 115 bucks. I think that's a, that's a no-brainer deal uh, for for what he is capable of. I think he's a candidate to be a top 10 prospect, depending on who graduates by the end of the season. With the injuries to some of the guys we've seen so far, it might be closer to top 15, but I really do believe that at the very, very least, he's going to be a top 20 guy. I would bet on him being top 15, and there's a non-zero chance he's top 10. And if he can get a Bowman Chrome Auto of that guy uh, that is a top 20 to even top 10 type of prospect for around 100 to $150, I would do it if you, if you have that disposable income uh, because that is a card that is going to continue to go up in value and I think it is around that 100 to $120 range. The other reason why I like Henderson is, as I do think the future down the line is is pretty bright in Baltimore. But even if it's not the brightest in the world, he's very close to big league ready and, and should be up by the either the end of this year or definitely could break camp next year. And so that proximity also helps a lot. The performance at high levels helps a lot. And, I, and I'm a big believer in, in what we've seen from Gunnar Henderson. I think it's going to continue as we move forward. And uh, for his cards going for a little bit over $100 on eBay, I think that is a great purchase. Uh, another guy that, again, I, Dodgers prospects I usually steer clear of. I really do. Uh, because Dodgers, Yankees, Cubs, great fan bases who know their prospects. And generally speaking, uh, that means that their cards go for a bit more because more fans want them. And also, just in general, uh, more people are aware of them because they get more coverage. But Andy Paez is not going for much uh, relative to what he is as a player. $61 is what the last Bowman Chromato sold for on eBay of Andy Paez. And you heard the whole spiel. I think he's so athletic that he will always get away with some of the moves in his box and in the in the, in the batter's box, excuse me. I think he's going to be a well-rounded player that gives you highlight real plays, throwing guys out at third base from deep right field. And I also think he's going to hit tape measure home runs. He's going to give you sneaky speed. He's going to do a lot of things that make him a very popular and very successful player. And I don't really have enough concern with the swing and miss to, to deter me from from investing in him. I think that he's going to always hit enough. $60 for his Bowman Chromato on eBay. I am buying as many as I can right now. I'm being fully honest. I've been trying to scrape together as much money as I can to, to buy more of his cards and more Miguel Vargas. And, you know, whether that's riding my bike a couple extra times during the week so I don't have to fill up my tank because, I mean, honestly speaking, that's about eight gallons of gas less, actually. It's about five to six gallons of gas, depending on uh, where I am down here in South Florida or if I'm in New York. Uh, but, you know, that is just way too cheap for a player of his magnitude and the ceiling that he has. I mean, his ceiling is legitimately frequent all-star 
That's what his ceiling is. And I, I will admit, yes, there's a little bit more risk to Pajes maybe than other guys, but I think the perceived risk is a bit higher than what he really is risk-wise because of all of the things I got into before. One other name that I didn't mention on the podcast that I do want to mention as a card that I am interested in for sure, uh, Spencer Steer. Spencer Steer's Bowman Chromato is selling for about $23 on eBay, and Spencer Steer of the Twins organization has continued to rake. He broke out last year in a big way, added power by really getting the lower half more incorporated, adding some strength, and as a result, he launched 24 jacks last year. Uh, 24 jacks that he's going to beat that this year. He only has 16 between AA and AAA. He had eight in 35 games in AA, and now he has eight in 16 games in AAA. It has been phenomenal to watch this guy hit. And between those two levels combined, Spencer Steer has just been a machine. If anything, he's actually taken his game up to another level in AAA. Combined numbers for Steer, he is hitting 298, 383, 624, 9% walk rate, 15% K rate, a 153 WRC plus, and that adds up to an OPS over 1,000. I can get a guy with an OPS over 1,000 in AAA who's still just 24 years old, can play all over, he's a good defender at second or third, I think can even sneak into the outfield if you really need him to. So I can get one. I can get a guy like that, his card, for $23 on eBay, uh, yep, buying those as well, and I don't even need to budget that well to pick up some of those. So Spencer Steer of the Twins, look out for him. You could get probably some of his rarer cards for very cheap. I think all of the above are great purchases. That'll do it for today's episode or tonight's episode, I should say. Uh, I hope you have a great weekend. As always, thank you for listening. If you could take a moment to leave a rating and help grow the podcast, I would really appreciate it. And I look forward to talking prospects with you on Monday. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.